Welcome to the Jungle Brothers podcast. This is episode 73. Um, today we have a special guest. You're here with me, Paul, um, Tiora. Hello. Joe's not here with us today, uh, but we have Benny Higgs here from, well, he's a local guy from Matraville, Maroubra area. That's born it. Born and raised, right? Yep. Um, and he's one of the founders of Rise Foundation. Um, and last Saturday he came in and ran a, a mental health response workshop for, for some of us at the gym, the coaches and some members. And um, it was really awesome Excellent. to meet you. It was Excellent. awesome, man. Thank yeah, you. It really was. Yeah, it's such a fucking great course. Yeah, it's just awesome. Workshop. So I'm going to have you here today. So um, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, did you want to just kick off with a just a little spiel about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sweet. Um, I'm Ben Higgs. So yeah, I grew up around eastern suburbs, um, Malabar, Maroubra, now Matraville. Um, I started Rise Foundation Australia um, unofficially probably eight years ago. Officially, we kicked off three years ago. Uh, I say unofficially because we're putting on events uh, and doing some work in the area um, just, for the, just for the love of it. Mm. Uh, I was still working on the wharves out at uh, Port Botany at the time. Uh, but then about three years ago, I got to the point where I didn't like my job and I was loving doing all the stuff on the side. And I thought to myself, you know what, now's the time to make a change. If I don't now, I'll be too old and I'll be that guy that's dirty on the world because he never followed what he was passionate about. Um, and so, yeah, I did it. And one of the best decisions I made, I'm lucky now I travel the country. Uh, before lockdown, I was traveling the country all over, um, probably two to three weeks of the month, running these courses like, like you guys did the other day. You know, I do it for a lot of a lot of boardrooms and a lot of corporate stuff, but coming in and doing what we did last Saturday is my favourite thing. Coming into communities and, and really getting to know the people and hearing everyone's stories and, and getting to share those experiences, that for me is the, the, the pinnacle of what I do, yeah. So well, how did tell us a little bit about what it is you deliver in your workshop and then after that could you tell us a little bit about how you came to moving in that direction? Yeah, our workshops are based around education. You know, when, when, I, when I was doing this sort of part-time, what, what I found missing in, in the whole mental health space was education. There was a big gap there. There was all this drive about awareness and getting this awareness out there. But I sort of stepped back and I thought, you know, what does awareness actually do and what change does it make? You know, it's good to hear the words, but, you know, it's, it's education that will create that change. Yeah, and so that's what our our workshops and courses are all about. There, these are you know everyday practical tools we can start to use to look after ourselves and look after each other. So, you know, l learning the signs that someone may be going through a hard time, and reshaping how we have these conversations. Yeah, I like the way you put um, uh, you put forward the practical tools because it's one thing being aware of something, but if you have no no way of acting. Uh, that doesn't really solve or helps uh, work towards solving what, what we probably consider a, a problem, you know, a, a, so, social, a social issue, I, would, you, would you say? Or yeah, you know, like there's... Stigma and whatnot. We, we've got professionals, we've got psychologists and psychiatrists and doctors that can do all the, the fancy stuff, you know. They've done the study, they've spent the money and the hard work and the time to be able to do that. But I think the, the most important thing is for us as people, as a community, as a society is to be able to take that first step in helping each other. 
you know, which is why it's uh, the mental health first aid. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. the mental health first aid was is our main course uh, that we run. You know, uh, it, that's the pinnacle in in Australia, especially. You know, it, it's it's the same as your St John's first aid. You know, you're not you're not training how to stitch someone's arm up if they've got a cut or you, someone's got a broken leg. You're not X-raying them. You know, mm. someone's got a cut. You're putting pressure. You're elevating and you're getting them to a doctor. And what we teach in our courses is, is the same sort of thing, but just inside someone's head for someone's thoughts, feelings or emotions, you know. So it's practical things we can start to do, whether it be just actually sitting there and listening or encouraging someone to go and get help or you know, actually finding out what's going on and, and how we can help, which is, you know, what I've found over doing it for this long is the simplest approach is always the easiest in just asking how. How can I help, you know, or mm. what's wrong? Would you like my help? These simple questions that we, we think it's got to be complicated, but it doesn't have to be. And, and that's when I say everyday practical tools, it's because this is stuff we can all do. You know, we're all capable of it. So there's no reason we shouldn't be able to be, be confident and comfortable in doing it. Nice. Uh, how did you get, how did you get to where you are now? Yeah. Where did it start? Um, it really, it, it started for me, I think it's about nine years ago now. Um, one of my best friends in the world was going through a hard time. And he was reaching out to me, uh, looking to have a chat. And, and I never took his phone call. I actually brushed his phone call because I was too scared to take it. Uh, I didn't know what to say to him. I, I wasn't prepared for what he was going to say to me. Uh, I never called him back. Uh, I put it off and put it off because I was scared. Um, you know, and after everything I'd been through in my life, I still couldn't take it. And I say it because I've, I've lived with a mental illness uh, all my life. I, I have type 2 bipolar. Uh, I've had suicide attempts. I've had, you know, bad days. I've had good days. I'd been through a lot of shit myself, but I still wasn't prepared to, to take my, one of my best friend's phone calls. Uh, and about two and a half weeks went by, uh, and then I got a phone call that Rod was dead. Uh, Rod had taken his life, uh, and you now that was something I. Didn't I w- know how to respond to that. Oh, Sorry, I didn't know either, Siri. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, I sat with that really heavy for a while. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that my phone call was definitely going to save his life, but that's the thing we don't know just how powerful and important and meaningful that conversation could be for someone. And after sitting with that for a while, I decided that. Uh, I'd try and do something, um, make a bit of a change. And it started, uh, we put on a concert at Coogee Bay Hotel. You know, we raised some money for the Black Dog Institute. We just got a couple bands that, of guys that we knew played in bands and just tried to get everyone together. And you now it started there. What's the, what is the Black Dog Institute? Uh, Black Dog Institute is uh, a, primarily a research facility up at Ramwick Hospital. Uh, I consider them probably Australia's leading uh, research facility in Australia. They do such good work uh, around mental illness. Yeah, so we raised a bit of money for them. And then a couple of years, two, two, about two years later, lost a, another really good friend from the beach. Uh, and then me and another mate sat down and said, let's, let's do something. And we're going we're gonna to run the city marathon and raise some money. And then we sort of thought, you know what, what's, what sort of impact is that going to make? Because, yeah, people donate money, but... There's no buying from them. And so we created a 24-hour tre- 24 treadmill run at Maroora. 
Uh, the idea being, you know, you're on a treadmill, you're running, you're sore, you're tired, you've had enough, you want to give up. Your friends are there to cheer you on, say, keep going, you can keep pushing, or they jump in and help you out, you know. We still mm. raise a bit of money and everything like that. Uh, and we can get the community together and get everyone down there and everyone, you know, can start feeding this sort of conversation and everything into people. And luckily from where we grew up, you know, we had guys like Rennie Matur and John Sutton, all these guys that play football, mm-hmm. you know, the Bondi lifeguards that we knew. We thought, well, if we get these sort of celebrities in, it gets this message out and it also attracts kids and with kids come the parents. So it gets that conversation out more, gets more money and all of that. You know, that kids see these big footballers talking about this stuff. If they're big and tough and they can talk about it, well, so can I. And that exploded. Um, we really didn't expect it to. It started two treadmills at Maroubra, ended up, you know, the largest event in the world for mental health awareness and suicide prevention. Uh, after about eight years, we raised over a million dollars. And then from doing that, just sort of dipping the toes in the water with it, I, I came to realise that it was something that I was really passionate about. And it also mm-hmm. gave me the opportunity to really explore myself I was never someone that, that went to see a psychologist or really look inwards to myself. Uh, for me, I just drowned it out in, in drinking drugs, you know, and just tried to smother it. Never, you know, never really faced up to what I was dealing with. Uh, and then so from all that experience, yeah, I, it, really, it really struck me that it was something I was passionate about and I could see that it was, it was something that was affecting not just me and not just my mates and not just my community but Australia-wide. Yeah, it's interesting that you um that you said that you've mentioned two friends that you've that you've lost. Uh, I'm guessing you know of many more just being in in the industry that you're in or doing what you're doing. I should say. Yeah. I know f- for myself, um, I've lost. Yeah, well, I've, I know I've got I've got a lot of mates I've, that I've lost and friends of friends that have lost to suicide as well. Um, what are the stats like? Because it just seems like it's something that uh, is, is quite prevalent but not necessarily talked about. Yeah. You know, the most recent stats show that one in five Australians every year experience mental illness. Pardon me. Uh, that's just the diagnosed stats. Uh, that's just the reported stats, so it could, could be much larger. Uh, and every year in Australia, over 3,200 people take their own life. Again, that's just the reported number, so that's just the, the bottom estimate. You know, so we're looking at at least eight Australians every day dying by suicide, with at least six of them being men. So uh, I think it was 2018, uh, the number of reported attempted suicides was 65,000. So at least 65,000 people tried to take their life. You know, so that's, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. You know, it's like an epidemic, isn't it, really? Yeah, well... Think about it. We think about we we look at we use COVID as a as a example to, to trade it off against with the stats. You know, this is and the, the action taken to, yeah, to try it. and stifle it, and the money put in to find a vaccine, and how much uh, action government will take to stop it from spreading. Yeah, well, more more than double the amount of people die by suicide every year than die on our, than die on our roads. So, you that's, know, we see a lot insane. in the media. You know, we, we talk about seeing it in the media, speeding, drink driving, seatbelts, being on your phone, fatigue, all that, but more than double die by suicide. And, you know, we get 
Are you okay once a year? A little bit of stuff about Movember. But the day-to-day stuff. A tiny article in the corner of the... Why is it... Why, do, why are we so reluctant to, to talk about it? I think we're scared of having the conversation. And I think we're scared of actually admitting that it is a problem. I think there's shame in it. You know, it's always mm. been considered a shameful thing and a weak thing. But every, I, you know, I don't think there's a single one of us that doesn't know someone that's been touched by suicide. Uh, and if you listen to anyone talk about having suicidal thoughts, you'll realise that it's not a weak thing. You know, it's actually, it's actually one of the hardest things, if not the hardest some will have to go through. And especially someone to, to actually rise up through it and live through it, you know, that, that's, that's it's the strongest thing you can do. But it's, it's always been looked that way. But I, I look back, you know, cancer used to be sheltered from us and no one would talk about it. HIV the same. You know, I think it comes with, you know, I say it again, that education around it. You know, the, the more we educate and talk about it, the more acceptance there will be. You know, people, people aren't ashamed now or, or scared to talk about having cancer. Uh, you know, you, we've got Magic Johnson um, commentates the basketball in the US. Mm. You know, for a black man with HIV to be commentating on primetime television, that wouldn't have happened in the 80s. No way. You know, but and that only came about by it being talked about and people being educated about it. So changing culture. That's it, changing in cultures. And I think, you know, we're just mental health has fallen behind. It's got a long way to catch up. But, you know, I'm I'm optimistic that we're getting there, you know. I, I use blokes like Greg Inglis a lot, Greg Inglis, Buddy Franklin. Yeah, I saw uh, some stuff on him yesterday on the news. Yeah, he's starting yeah. an academy, Greg Inglis, yeah. I think, which is great, you know, and that's why I said we got these guys down to this treadmill run because they see these guys, you know, these big tough blokes that we put such a – we put them on a pedestal mm. that if they can go through this stuff and they can talk about this stuff, it shows that it's – you know, they're not weak. They're Tyson Fury, I played the video of Tyson Fury, the other oh, heavyweight yes, yeah. boxing champ. Yeah. He talks openly about it. Yeah. You know, when we have this thing that it's weak and you're soft and you're not a man, well – if the heavyweight boxing champs soft and weak and not a man, well, what hope of hope of any of us got? You know, it's not that. It's just that he's human. Mm, mm. You know, he wouldn't be soft or weak if he had diabetes or he had asthma or he had cancer. It's just an illness. Mm. So, what um, what do you what do you do to help people not just get become aware of of a like a, a, a mental illness? Um, how, do, how do we go about taking action if it's something that we've recognised? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, bring it up. You know, I, I never say that we help people. I like to think that we help people help themselves. You know, it's just teaching people these skills that, you know, and, and giving people the confidence that they can actually have these conversations and it doesn't have to be this confronting thing that because I don't know how to actually fix the person that I can't help them. I use the physical side again. I, I can't stitch a person's cut on their arm or I can't, you know, put plaster on a broken leg. But I can help someone into a car and take them to a doctor to get x-rays or I can, you know, put pressure on it and get them to a doctor. It's the same sort of thing. By having these conversations, pointing it out to the person, sometimes, you know, we look at ourselves in the mirror and we don't sometimes see 
what's really going on or that ego comes into play and we, we don't want to accept it. But especially it's someone that we love, trust and care for actually points it out and says, hey, you know, I've noticed these changes in you and I'm a bit worried I care for you. How can I help? We're actually putting it out there and letting them, you know, letting them know that we care and that we want to help them and, and sharing the problem. How can I help you? Mm. you know, whether it be you know, sitting there and just listening to the person get shit off their chest or you know, the person may not know what resources are out there for them, so pointing them out. You may not know them. Well, okay, well, I'm happy to sit here with you and get on the computer and find it out, whatever it may be. You know, but just by starting these conversations and, and when I say a conversation, you know, that's where I say we need to reshape and change them because the old, you know, toughen up and you'll be all right, you know, what are you carrying on for? What have you got to be depressed about? All that, well, that's not going to help the person, you know. We wouldn't talk that way about, you know, who are you to have cancer? You've got a good life, you've got a good family, you went mm. to a good school. Yeah. It's an illness, you know, and as soon as we start to see it that way, I think the sooner people will be able to start feeling okay and more comfortable and confident in, in going and getting help. Uh, you talk about uh, change in someone's, um, you know, maybe their, their mood or the way that, or their, their actions. Um, I think a lot of people think of uh, like a, someone who's struggling with their mental health as something that like a chemical imbalance or they've been born like that, but it's not always the case, is it? Like no. you can, things can change. Like overnight, just from... Yeah, you know, but we, we, we hear the term mental health these days and, and it does get thrown around a lot. And we only, we only ever hear about it or think about it in the negative sense. So, like you said, we, we hear the term, you know, someone's got mental health. But it could just be something in their life that's going on. We've all had a bad day. We've all made mistakes. We've all, you know, had things go wrong for us, missed out on the job we wanted, whatever it was, had an argument with our partner, whatever it may be, and we've all been in a bad mood. Well, that's poor mental health. You look at it now with COVID, you know, someone may have lost their job or they may be uncertain about their job or the stress of being able to pay the mortgage, worried about getting sick, worried about not seeing family that live in Queensland or Victoria. All of these things, you know, they impact our mental health and these are the things that start to drag us down just... Just like our physical health where if someone's not eating well or someone's drinking too much or someone's not sleeping, they impact our physical health. Well, there's things that impact our mental health and that's why we can help each other and that's why I think it's so important that every one of us starts to have these conversations because we've all been there. We've all had the bad days, you know, and it's not a competition, you know, in misery or anything like that. It's, it's that we've all had bad days so we all know what it's like to to have a shitty day, you know, to kick mm. stones down the street, to make we, – we've all, we've all made mistakes, you know. Mm. I've, some of us have made more than others, but, <laughs> you know, we've all had things go against us, you know. We all haven't got the exact job we wanted or, you know, whatever it may be. Sometimes those days can, can, can drag out. Yeah. yeah. If we don't work on it, you know. I, I showed you guys the other day the, the, the weight on the bar example, you know. Yeah. And I love that because I think the – can you tell us about yeah. how that works? Um, so I loved that too. It was great. It was good, eh? Yeah. Um, I, I like to um, use the example of our mental health as a, of a barbell on our shoulders. And, and it's that barbell holds weight and we all hold different weight on our shoulders each day of the week. You know, we've all got, you know, probably 99.9% .9 of us have got financial worries, you know, you know, mortgages to pay, schools, school, fees, school mm. fees to pay, bills, whatever it may be. You know, none of us are getting paid enough. 
You know, whether you're not eating right, relationship dramas, you know, you're not sleeping well, maybe drinking too much, all of these different things. And they start to stack weight on that bar that we carry around. And we may be working on some or some of us, you know, different weights, whatever it may be, and some of us are stronger than others so can carry that weight for longer. But it may, that weight on your shoulders may seem light and bearable for one, two, three days, whatever it may be, but if we don't work on these things over the course of a couple of days or a week or a month, it starts to get real heavy. Mm. And, 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 you know, what I've found is that that weight, the heavier it gets, the more you focus on it and the more you block out everything else. So it feels mm. heavier and it starts to consume you. And I think that's what happens with our mental health, these things that are happening in our life. If we don't be proactive and work on them and put tools into place, that weight will just get heavier and it'll start to compound and soon it starts to consume you. Uh, and that's what happens to you know, over 3,000 people every year. It consumes them. Mm-hmm. You know, but we can put things into place. You know, we can you know, exercise. That's, I love doing it in gyms because this is the perfect place. You know, exercise for me is one of the key parts of maintaining good mental health. No one ever feels bad about having a workout, you know. Uh, and even better, you've got a community here where, say, you're around other people. We start eating better, start getting more sleep, you know, where it start having to take medication, seeing a doctor, fixing relationships, whatever it may be. And it, and it just starts to alleviate that weight. But the other part of it is with that weight is if we've got friends around us, they can actually hold that weight for us and just take that pressure off our shoulders. Mm. Uh, It doesn't make the weight any lighter, but there's now two or three of us holding it. Just giving that person a bit of relief for however long until they can start to put these tools into place. Um, So, yeah, I love that weight analogy. Um, You know, it was an easy one for us to come up with because we're pretty much, you know, in the gyms all the time. Mm -hmm. But I think it shows people just in black and white just how how life gets and then we can start to see on each other so then we can start to actually understand what people are going through because we actually all go through it we can start to ask people these questions use our own life experience and find out start to dig a bit deeper yeah yeah Yeah, start you know and that's where that empathy comes from you know instead of looking down on someone with sympathy where we're looking eye to eye with empathy you know, I may not experience exactly what you've gone through, but I've been through shit myself. This is what I did. What's going to work for you? Uh, it was when you, uh, when we first met, met you on the beach, you were talking about, you asked me when was the last time you had to use your first aid? Because first aid is, a, we have to have our first, uh, a um, registered first aid certificate as a, as a coach in any gym. Yep. And it's, it's by law. And you asked me, when was the last time you used your first aid <laughs> certificate? Like, oh, the, the, you know, all the tools for first aid certificate. I can't. I mean, I've, I think we got a bit of ice from the freezer over the last couple of years. That's kind of Here it. And, there. That's and it. wrapped up a few things. And um, JB Games, trip to the hospital with a broken finger. And the other one was an ambulance that we just called and that came to the gym. But it wasn't – we didn't actually do a hell of a lot. And, that, and, and they were few and far between – and then you asked me when, when was the last time someone came into the gym having a bad day and I was like, I, I just had probably about 10 people <laughs> flash yeah. into my mind from like the last week. 24 line. hours. Yeah. And, and it was, yeah, it was a real, it was a bit of a revelation because I was thinking, holy shit, like I'm, and, and they're coming to me and because uh, you asked them, hey, how you doing? 
<laughs> and 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 it's that third space. It's where people are coming, where they feel safe to talk yep. about things, and obviously have a relationship, an intimate relationship with your members. Um, if you're running a community style gym like ours, um, and people open up, you know, and then and then you kind of think we've always had this approach where it's like, oh, well, I'm talking on behalf of the fitness industry as a whole. Don't step out of your your um, your your credentials. You know what I mean? So, you know. You can listen, but you've got to let people know that there's like a barrier there and if they need to speak to someone more qualified than to go to them kind of thing. And um, I think after we did the workshop, I realised that there's a, a lot more that I can be doing just to, 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 to work, help those people get into a, a better headspace, you know? Yeah. And it's uh, when, when you started pulling the weights off, I realize how much of a space like this can can actually be a place of healing, you know. Yeah, and maybe they don't have to go down the the path. Like they, if you can get it early, it's not it, it doesn't get worse and worse and worse to the point where they may have to go on medication at one stage. And it's not that I'm adverse to people going on medication. It's important uh, as part of the process for anything. I mean, if it gets to that stage. Yeah. But that preventative approach, uh, rather than waiting till you have to have a cure it's it's good to know that um you can play a role in helping somebody get back onto their feet before things can get get worse yeah you know what if someone walked in here with a cut on their arm no one would just ignore it go i won't say anything because i don't want to step into their business (laughs) you know when you put it like that yeah, <laughs> you never would. That's it. You know, the Just first thing everyone says, shit, are you There's okay? Anything. What have you done? Yeah. Can I help? Do you need mm. anything? Mm. But as soon as we, we, we see people come in and, you know, they're, and they're a bit down, they're not themselves or whatever it is, we all of a sudden we shy away a bit because we think, oh, I don't want to, you know, step mm. into their business or I don't know how so to fix them. Sometimes it's harder to see as well. Yeah, and, and that and that's and that's part of it, you know, understanding the signs that we can look for. And that's what we went through. Yeah, mm. but I think you know if we, because we're not taught this stuff as as kids or anything in school, we're you know we we're taught about cuts and someone bumps their head against the wall and everything like that. The, the physical stuff, so we're more comfortable with it because you know we, we've had it indoctrined into us all the time. But if we look at mental health on the mental side of things the same way we do as physical we can all jump in and help that person asking that person are they okay would do they want to have a chat out the front before they start well that for me that's the same as asking if they need a band-aid for that little cut you know it's not going to fix the cut but it's going to help them for now to get through to it you know and that conversation may not fix them now but it may help them later on or point them in the direction you never know and so I think I think gyms um, or you know the fitness industry as a whole, uh, we've had a real good, real big push the last couple of months to try and implement this stuff in because I myself, you know, I I don't, you know, I'm not going to the gym so, to get a six pack and so I can throw selfless uh, shirtless selfies of myself <laughs> on Instagram. You know, I'm going down there to keep myself mentally well more than anything and. You know, and I think that's for the majority of people. I think that is definitely for the majority of people. Yeah. And we, and f- we found that out quite early 
in our our career. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and you go down and see your trainer, well, you're already putting your health in their hands and, and you're going to them for their advice and their help. And you guys would have seen it, the, the longer you're with someone, the more they start to open up about every part of their mm-hmm. life. And, and it worries me that, you know, we see a lot of especially younger PTs out there uh, that don't may not have that life experience like you guys do where mm-hmm. you can start to have that chat. But I also see a lot of, um, a lot of people in the fitness industry now want to talk about mental health and stuff. But I also see the, a lot of the same people with no real uh, training or anything in it. And I'm not saying everybody has to have this certificate or that, but I see these same people would never go and get trained by a trainer that didn't have a qualification. It's that education yeah. piece you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you know, and, and it's, it's a step beyond awareness. Yeah, and it's just refining a few things. We talked a lot the other day about, mm. you know, language, you know, and just how much our language can actually impact that conversation. And I use the example, you know, someone coming in and wanting to do deadlifts. Anyone can come in and pick up a bar, you know, but are they going to be doing it correctly and safely so they don't hurt themselves? Maybe not. Mm. No, and that's why you you have the training and get the the PT certificate so that you do learn that stuff so that you can make it as safe and, you know, healthy for the person. And, and, And that's what this is all about, you know. A lot of the stuff we teach, and you guys would have seen it the other day, was, you, th- you know, I see it in people's face all the time. People sit and go, well, I already knew that. And it's, yeah, but I'm cementing it into you so that you've got the confidence that mm, actually yeah. I am on the right mm, path mm. here. I, I can do this because, you know, I've actually, it's been backed up that I'm on, I'm doing the right thing, you know. And I think that that's what gives us that confidence. And if we're confident in talking to someone, that flows into them. Mm. And, and uh, to elaborate on that, there's science behind what you teach. And uh, I think that's what I, I loved about the course most was there's, that it was backed up by the statistics. Um, there, were, there were studies done and you had all the, all the, all the, all the answers yep. in those areas, which I, I, um, I really appreciated because sometimes, you know, when somebody's delivering a course, it can be assumption or you can confuse it for assumption. But when you see the, st- the, st- the stats and it just, yeah, it, 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 uh, it reinforces things, you yeah. know? It, every, everything that we teach is, we, it's called evident, you know, it's evidence-based. It's backed by the data and the research and the statistics. Uh, you know, I throw a lot in from my own life experience uh, because... Now, this isn't something that can just be an off-the-shelf bland product because then it, it, it doesn't sink in, I don't think. You know, we, hearing from people's own experience and sharing stories is what really cements it into us, I think. Um, but we've, we've, you've got to have that, that backing behind you because, I mean, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, I'm a bum orphy, you know, I'm a crane driver <laughs> by trade. Um, I haven't, certainly haven't done the research, you know, Done a little bit the last couple of years, um, but I've gone to gone to where you know they've already done it. There's people that are smarter than me have actually done it for us, you know. And for me, it's my job is just to translate it into language that everyone can can consume. Yeah, which I think um, on many different different topics, um, science related, is probably one of the biggest issues that we have today. Is that um, uh, scientists struggle to speak the people's language and they really do and I know this because we have many in the gym I 
talk to them all the time <laughs> and a lot of the stuff they say, just, fuck, just don't understand it. Yep. But if you have somebody that can take that information and, and translate that in a way that you understand, it, it makes a really big difference. Yeah. You know? And, and that's, you know, over the last two years, I've brought in a couple of people to work with us um, delivering these courses because I'm well aware of the fact that how I speak and how I deliver things doesn't translate to everyone. You know, I, I know that I'm not going to be able to walk into every room and connect with everybody. And that's good, you know, because we don't want people, everyone out there being the same person. Mm-hmm. So we've brought a couple of different people in now that, that do this stuff for us because we want that. We did a, a job for a company in town. Um, I was actually very lucky just before lockdown we worked for Zoom, which was good because then everything of ours went to Zoom, so I already had the bit of uh, practice. But it was a predominantly female staff, and one of the things was, you know, they wanted to get us in, but Ben, we don't really know if you're the right person. It was like, well, okay, well, I've got Erin that works for us, or my wife, Alicia, they can come and do it. You know, they're trained up to do it. So we want that out there, you know, because you've got to be able to connect with people. There's a really good thing I saw online the other day is that, um, you know, the conversations are well and good, but if the person doesn't understand what you're saying, mm. you're talking to a wall, yeah. you know. It's not about the conversation. It's actually about the message getting across, you know, and, and that's what we need. We need to be able to talk to each other like people, as I said, on, on the same level as people so that we can learn this. So... Before uh, we went, we had you booked in, yeah, like a week. What was it, Paul? Like a I can't remember. Week before, before lockdown. Yeah, week yeah, before yeah. lockdown. Yeah, it was about that. And there was like, you know, there was wind of COVID, and it was kind of in Italy, and it was all going pretty pear shaped overseas. Yep. And then it literally hit us within the week, and we had we we, we were booked in, and we we're like, yeah, we're booked. And then we we're like, okay, no, maybe hold off. And then we we're like, no, we're booked. We did it like three times and then everything just went, yep. like it went into battle stations and uh, over that, that period coming into, into lockdown, um, I was watching people in the gym and in, interacting with people in the gym and the space changed. It went from this place where people come to exercise to where people were coming to, to just find some, st- st- some st- stability, um, find someone to talk to, mm. uh, People losing jobs, people crying in the corner, people going to the like coming to do class, and then just like a couple going up to the coffee shop instead. Yeah, <laughs> so just talking, you know. And it was like, okay, the the space has always been that, but it's now the ratios have changed. It's not like train together, talk a bit. It was like, okay, let's talk, and it and it and it became that space. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, we've we've had to postpone the workshop, and I was thinking about you, and I thought to myself, Ben's going to be like, he's going to have no work and then all of a sudden he's going to be booked out for the rest of his life <laughs> at the end of this. And that was purely because you could see that the effect that COVID was having on people at the beginning was already starting to really settle in and then the idea of being in lockdown and being isolated um, and being uh, having this impending kind of pressure on on a lot on people's lives that some have already got uh, a lot of pressure on like more weight on that bar yep how what what uh what changes have you noticed uh, over covid and even some statistics if you got them 
Yeah, well, I know that within the first three weeks of lockdown, isolation, calls to Lifeline went up 20%. Uh, and that was 20% on top of the calls to Lifeline during the bushfires. Mm. Um, COVID sort of was like a publicity stunt for us in a way. Might seem strange I say that, but COVID proved, I think, to everybody exactly what we've been saying for years. All these things that impact us in our life and all these things we've got to look after. COVID sort of put them on a billboard and said, hey, this is what we're doing, you know. Isolating everyone from each other, you know, financial stress, all this stuff, looking after your health, how just how important your health is, you know, how, how important getting out in the sun and being around people and fresh air and moving around, just how important that is to people. You know, access to good food, all of this. Yeah, I had everything cancelled within 24 hours. I had, you know, about eight months worth of work cancelled. So, you know, it, I, I was lumped into the same boat as everyone else too and, you know... I tried the whole training from home business and, and as much as you can get done, it's not the same because we, we need to be around people. You know, we need that connection. Um, you know, we're, at heart, we're tribal people, you know, and, and we need that around us. Now, I think what, co- what COVID's also done and probably even more so now is it's, it's caused a, a dissent um, between people, this big... You know, you, you look at the vaccine thing and it's a big us and them thing now, the people that are for it, the people that are against it. You know, the people that think it's just a hoax or the people that think it's not and the people that want to wear masks and the people that don't. It, it's even if it's at the tail end of it or whatever, it's still causing a split with people. Yeah, it's fracturing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's fracturing people, you know, and fracturing society. And it's, you know, for us, the way we get out of this is by coming together. You know, and that's what that's what we've been talking about is everyone starting to help each other out. Everyone being there for each other. Like, you know, places like this, I love it where you said instead of people coming in and, and just training, they're coming in and talking, you know, and you know, people walking up and going to the coffee shops be just as beneficial for them than coming in here and, and having a train. Yeah, at that stage I think w- yeah. m- much more. Yep. You know, we we you know, I talk a lot that, you know, how important exercise is, but you know, just going for a walk is sometimes all it takes. You know, it's not about, you know, rolling jujitsu or sparring for boxing or a CrossFit session, you know, just a walk. All of these things, it's so important and, and hopefully I think, I really hope people sit back, whether now or in a couple of weeks or whatever, and instead of worrying about what the government did or the government didn't do or, you know, old mate down the road had people over or they were wearing a mask, they weren't, people actually take stock of, just start to look after themselves and look after each other because that's the only way we'll get through this. You know, we're all, we're all in the same spot economically. Um, all of our kids and grandkids are going to be paying for this. Um, you know, and the only way for us all to, to make sure we come out of this better people is to actually come together. But I hope businesses, especially big businesses, start to take notice. Um, the government's putting some money into mental health uh, I'll have a little gripe here, but that money always goes to the same places. Uh, for you know, it, I call them the big four. You know, your Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Black Dog Institute. Uh, you know, they're good. They do good work, but more money needs to filter down into communities. Mm. You know, um, so well, the big change 
always generally always comes from from grassroots yep yep i like to say that revolutions start in the streets and that's why you know i i I was stoked that you know even though you guys had to cancel back at the start as soon as we were allowed back sort of face to face we'll straight in here and did it you know you guys actually took it on for the for the benefit of your of your community here and i think that's what more people need to do there's plenty of people out there doing this stuff and, and the more we the more we get it out there, the better. Uh, you know, I say big businesses, they're good because, you know, I work a lot in mining and stuff and I can charge them money to, to go out and do this stuff, which then allows me to actually go back into communities like my own and do stuff for as little money or no money as possible, you know, because, mm. you know, whoever, people that are in this game are... Uh, if they're in it to get rich and famous, they're in the wrong wrong business, you know. Um, people that are in it for the right reasons are in it to make a change. And, and and so they will give back. But, you know, we do need some help. You know, I've got to pay bills just like everyone else. I've got a mortgage. I've got two kids. You know, I'm, I, I hopefully I can charge the big companies because they're still making money. They're still digging up our ground. And and I'm, and, it, and it obviously, I mean, look, big companies, uh, they can't um, – you know, there's always that, and I don't know if it's a facade or not because I've never worked in one. But I'm guessing there's a monet, there's monetary monetary value behind having your staff mentally healthy and and happy and and, and motivated. And uh, uh, would I be wrong in saying no, that? No, completely right. Uh, the Australian Institute of Workplace Health and Safety. I don't, know, I don't know how I remember that. Um, they did a study. <laughs> uh, um, they showed that for every dollar invested in mental well-being is a $4 return in productivity. So That's it, enormous. It's huge. Yeah. You know, it, for every $1, they're getting $4 back. Uh, so, uh, you know. How do you come up with, uh, with that kind of math? Quite... Uh, people, people much smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said. I rely on the people that are smarter to come up with this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but that's what that's the that's the that's the data, you know. Mm. So for any business, you know, big or small, that's uh, that's thinking maybe what 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 can they do? So mm. if that if that's what you can gain back from from taking action, I'm guessing the inaction is costing. Yeah, you'd think so. You think yeah. on the other side. Yeah, I look at it. You know, if your staff are happy and healthy, they're going to be productive. You know, I, I work for a big company on the wharves. You know, if if you ever if we ever thought that, you know, the company was looking after us and everyone was happy there and, you know, you're getting you're getting what you need out of the place, you're more productive when you go in there. Mm. You've got staff coming in that are, that are sick, that are unhappy, that want to take days off, that don't really feel like doing much. Where's your business going to go? Yeah, that's right. And then taking days off, burnout and... Yep. you got stats on that? Uh, yeah, so, well, burnout's now considered a mental illness. Um, what was it, 2017, mental illness and poor mental health cost the Australian economy $13 billion in lost productivity. You know, so that's, that's a lot that's of $13 money. billion. Dollars. That's big bucks. That's mm-hmm. big bucks, you know. $13 billion could train every single person in this country. Yeah. You know, probably twice over, you know. Um, and save lives. And save lives. And make people happy. Yeah. And all the other amazing benefits they're going to get from it. We, we, we spend so much money and so much focus on physical first aid, which is good, it's needed. Mm. But like you said, how often do you use that? You know, when, when this sort of stuff, it's you're using it multiple times a day. 
because it's all about having a conversation with someone and creating a connection with someone. And even if it's not someone that's unwell, now in business, you know, actually proving to the person that you're dealing with in business that you're actually listening to them and actually there with them and not just hearing what they're saying but concentrating on something else, it goes a long way. You know, your staff, letting your staff know you care for them, your customers, letting you know that you care for them and you're trying to help them do everything you can. You know, I, uh, there, there's no downside to doing it. There's only positives. I wanted to ask you about the, uh, the community grassroots work that you spoke of um, and how, you know, you've got this awesome foundation, you can run courses, you go out there to businesses, companies and whatever, allows you more time to do, yeah, stuff in your local area and stuff. What does that kind of look like? Is that, um, and I, I guess that's more part of just spreading awareness in your, in your area via events or, or is it raising money or what does that look like? Yeah, it's a bit of both. We, we started off with events, uh, doing the treadmill run, the concerts. Um, a couple of years ago, we did a walk. So we walked from Gold Coast to Sydney. That's decent. Yeah. Uh, 60, Tell us about the walk. Uh, How um, did that come about? So I had a, uh, a manic episode, uh, March 2016, I think it was. Uh, put my shoes on one morning. Can ma- you tell us what, what, what a man- manic uh, yeah. episode is? So uh, with bipolar, um, I live on a higher range of emotions, thoughts, feelings uh, than most people. So a manic episode was always uh, really high in my, in my feelings and emotions. Uh, heightened activity, heightened sex drive, heightened spending, uh, feelings of invul- invul- invincibility, um, completely rational th- thought processing but looks irrational to everybody else these are mm. symptoms of and signs of manic episodes um i put my shoes on and started walking to queensland uh so i was living at matraville and it was just normal for me that day that that's what i was going to do um now my wife got me inside by telling me to put a hat on um because she knew that there was no way of reasoning with me that you know so you, you just t- told her that you're gonna you're gonna you yeah. start walking. And she thought I was taking the piss. They thought Holy I was joking. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. And so, you know, I, she rang a good mate of mine uh, and told him and then, you know, things settled down over the course of a couple of days. Um, and then about a week or so later, he rang me. He said, do you still want to do it? I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, well, okay, let's do it properly. So, all right, so a couple of months of planning and this probably says a lot about me, but we decided to drive the route from here to the Gold Coast. And we got about three quarters of the way and we decided we'd walk back to Sydney because it was downhill, sort of. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we did it. So we walked Gold Coast to Sydney. So 60Ks a day for 15 days straight. Awesome. Um, 60Ks a day oh, you must have had for 15 feet after days. That. Yeah. Yeah, decent. Which is de- like... We hear people of doing these big walks, but usually they're like walkers. That's what they do. You know, they're doing bush walks and they're walking every day and they're like geared up for walkers and they look like walking people, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you've just gone straight off the bat, you know, the 60K. Yeah. You know, 15 um, days. You know, we did a little bit of training, but a little bit of training for us was like going for a walk of an hour at night. Yeah. You know, going taking the dog <laughs> for a walk. Um, one mate came with us who's a sports masseuse. So... You know, we'd, we'd 
pull over on the side of the road and he'd get the table out and have his elbow into our thighs and stuff like that. But we slept in swags on the side of the road and in campsites. Best thing I've ever done. Um, cool. So good. Mm. Met so many people, good people along the way. You know, just pretty soon running out of conversation with people um, after spending 12 hours walking alongside them. Yeah. Um, but no, you know, we raised a bit of money and it was unreal. So we, we loved doing that um, two Did years ago. Did people join, join you on the walk? Yeah. Yeah, people, no just random people would, you know, as you're walking into like a country town, we'd, you know, you see the sign for the local radio station. Mm. So we'd ring them and say, hey guys, this is what we're doing. Um, come join us or we're going to be going to the local bowling club for dinner tonight, whatever, you know. Come and say hello. And this is, and we'd stop at schools along the way. So we'd stop, do like an hour's talk at a school and then keep walking or stop at a footy club, do a bit of a Man. talk there, you know. Uh, so cool. Yeah. You know, one of those things that, looking, I'd never do it again. My feet went rotten. They call it our uh, trench foot. Oh, no. So, like, milky white soles of my feet with black rot in it uh, from oh, walking. Oh, nasty. One day it was rain. And, you know, we, we didn't come down the coast because that would have been easy. So, we, from Byron, we went into Grafton and then all oh. the way through to Armadale and then over the Great Divide and Range. Oh. Yeah. Um, wasn't a good call, but it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, walking one day, walking over the Great Dividing Range, it was like sideways rain the whole day. Mm. Holy shit! Yeah. Um, so yeah, rotten feet. One guy ended up in hospital. One guy with shin splints. Sorry, yeah. how many of you were there? So yeah, six of us went all up. Um, so we had a couple of support crew. Yep. And then blokes chopping and changing in and out each mm. day with me. Um, yeah, and it was good. You know, it was a bunch of bunch of mates. Not all of us were really solid mates, but a couple of guys were. But we had one day where I had to pull everyone over the side of the road and we just had it out with each other. Like, we were all on each other's nerves. And it's like, get it off your chest. And we did, like, a 15-minute thing of just screaming at each other and pointing at each other. Oh, therapy. Yeah, wow. and then it was like, all right, everyone, everyone's sweet now. Yep, okay, let's keep going. You know? But, um, yeah, that was mad. And then two years ago... We, uh, we did a tour around country New South Wales, 10-day tour all the way out to Burke, then all the way up to north of Tamworth, uh, Bingra, and the same sort of thing, stopping at schools of the day, sporting club of an afternoon, then a club at night. Was this before you'd started the Rise Foundation? No, this, is, this was during it. So when we did the walk was sort of when, when Rise kicked off. Okay. And when, you, and when you kicked off, you had trained up and you were able to, to uh, do the – first aid courses and talk about them as you went yeah yeah so, so cool. i while i was still working on the waterfront i uh i flew myself to perth for a week and and did the training to become a mental health first aid instructor mm -hmm. um and then i was trying to trying to do the two things at once but i was working four on four off out there and then in my four days off trying to run this and it was just mm. getting too much and mm. i wasn't enjoying it out there like everything else you know I think they could tell that I wasn't enjoying it and you know, but my performance wasn't there. Uh, and then a few things happened out there that sort of forced my hand. And, you know, it was a hard decision, you know, out there earning good money uh, with, uh, you know, um, Eastern Suburbs mortgage, two kids. But it was like, bugger it. Well, we'll make it work somehow, you know. Um, so for three years, we self-funded everything. So all this community stuff, we self-funded. Um, you know, and that was purely by going out and charging businesses so that we could put it back into communities. Mm. Um, 
We recently went not-for-profit uh, just to help us with that side of stuff um, so that we can actually now try and get a bit of government funding so that we can take it to the next level. But what we did for communities, um, we, we kicked it off at the start of this year, was we created what we call a safe space initiative. Um, what I wanted to do was I there's – a, there's a sticker still on my, the window on my house from when we bought it, the old neighbourhood watch sticker. Yeah. Yeah. And so every day I'd walk in and look at this sticker and remember back when we were kids that the neighbourhood watch thing was big and, you know, so it was if you're walking home or you were You knew that scared. logo, didn't you? Yeah, and someone was following you or something. Yeah. You knew you could go to this safe house. That was when there was crime in Sydney. Yeah. Back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when Sydney was real dangerous. <laughs> um, and, and I thought, you know what? We need to go back to that as a community, as being able to know that we can call into somewhere. And so we created the Safe Space um, program where we train businesses up um, in, in our courses. So we train the staff um, and they become a safe space so that people in that area that are going through a hard time just need to chat, lonely, whatever it may be, need some guidance, whatever. They see the symbol, they see that sticker lot we used to see on the front of a house and, and, and they can go there. So we've trained, we've trained a couple of gyms up at the moment. Uh, we've got a few cafes. Um, we've got a couple of barber shops and tattoo shops on the way. Um, and I'd like to congratulate you guys because you guys did the training last weekend to become the next safe space. Oh, oh man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got the pack here and what we do is... Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. So each, each uh, business... Uh, gets a pack so you know stickers for the front um, all that sort of stuff cards to have in here that people can take that have got um, resources phone lines websites apps all of that Unreal. on it uh, all the crisis lines plus a little uh, safe um, action action plan so just a little couple of cue prompts for people in how to have that conversation and also when there's uh, a few resource sheets so other sheets with the crisis lines uh, stuff on uh, online bullying, all that sort of stuff. You know, I've taken stuff from Lifeline and all the other services out there. And that's there for you guys and for your members so that when they come in, they know it's there. Yep, that's the pack that right is there. awesome. Oh, we need to make like a proper outdoor plaque, I reckon. Yeah. Of and the logo and that. Yeah. That would be yeah. sick. That's the sticker there? That's it there. So there's one in yeah. there. And, and what we like to do is uh, encourage um businesses you know so say if it's a coffee shop they have like a tin on the on the counter and if people yep. instead of a tip jar people want to put money in there uh, and that money then goes to training more staff or people that come in so members of the gym up in the courses so that the more the community puts into the program the stronger that community gets so it doesn't cost the company anything the business anything it doesn't cost us anything it's the community funding it for it for themselves so the more the community buys into it, the stronger that community gets. Oh, I love it. It's unreal. Yeah, I mean, we did the course last week and um, it was a good day. And then the bunnies were playing. Yep. And they um, won. And they won. They did good. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, we, well, we knew you were coming here um, for the podcast the, the following week. So I, I definitely wanted to have this conversation with you. Um, you know, what do we do from here as a business? Yep. Um, and how can we help and how can we continue to spread the message? This is unreal. This is, this is a step in that direction. Um, resources. Somehow I'd love to get uh, more, yeah, more people in the gym doing the courses. Um, and, you know, I speak with Joe and T about, uh, you know, 
Definitely something like a quarterly or something, something like that. Like that. Can't, yep, yeah, we'd love to. Not just the once. Yeah. And and then also, yeah, wanting to be a, a space where you can come and teach the courses. Because um, I know that you're you're quite mobile. You go out to places, but yeah. there's no HQ, so to speak. And Not yet. Yeah. Yeah, we've got Jungle to Brothers. Jungle to, Brothers could be the new HQ. It yeah, could definitely be. be. Yeah. That would, yep. be, and it would be an honour. But no, I'm stoked because, um, you know, for us, this is this is our way of being able to make sure that communities are as safe as possible and, and as supportive to people as possible. Um, and, you know, people will know that they can come here and, and it's it shows people that you guys care as well, that you guys aren't just here to take their money and teach them how to throw weights around, that you're actually here to make sure that they're as safe, healthy and happy as possible as well and that you guys actually want to make this community exactly what it's called, a community. Right. Make a difference. Yep, that's it. It's awesome. quite a powerful thing you're doing. Have you ever thought about how, like, how much impact you are capable of, of making in this area? Yes and no. Um, you know, I look at I'm, I'm a, will sound weird, but I'm a bit selfish in it. In that, I actually, I actually think I get just as much from this as what people do mm, from yeah. what we do because. You know, I'm that I'm that kid that I wish this had been there when I was young. You know, I, I've I've lost friends. You know, I shouldn't be here myself. You know, I, I look at kids in schools that they get kids with asthma, diabetes. They get all the help, care, assistance, education, acceptance that they need to make sure that they're as healthy as possible. And and kids with mental illness don't get it. You know, a kid like me growing up with bipolar or you know. We're just expected to make it up and it doesn't work. And when I go out and I get to meet people and hear their stories and, and, and people leave these courses and workshops and I can see that, that look of empowerment on them, mm. I, I get so much from that. That's, you know, as I say, I'm not here to get famous and, and wealthy out of it. I, I know that's not going to happen, you know. Never know. Oh, my wife's designed for the fact that we're never going to have the big house and that, but we don't need it, you know. We're, we're pretty simple people, you know. Like I, two years ago, I shouted myself a $10,000 secondhand Hilux and for me, oh yeah, like I went big time and got the Balling. V6 model, you know. Like, <laughs> but that's, that's, you know, that's sort of us, you know. We're, that's, we, we, we don't want that, you know. For me, it's making sure that my kids grow up not having to go through what I went through and that their mates don't go through what, what, my mates went through, you know, and, mm. and, and for me, that's the pay, that's the pay. Um, and and I, I get to see people, you know, sometimes you hear people, you hear a lot of people's, you know, hard luck stories and hear about the bad times. And, you know, it, it's taken a long time to, to train myself in how to handle that, you know, and I just have to make, you know, I, I'm lucky. I get, I get to have a couple of counseling sessions a week because I get to stand up like I did last Saturday and just spew out whatever I want. You know, and, and so it's good I get that I get that outlet. I've got I've got the tools handy to myself to, to look after myself. I, a friend of mine that's not here with us anymore, Sam used to always say he was a mechanic with a shit car. Uh, Sam was a great tattooist but had really bad tattoos. And, he, <laughs> and so he called himself a mechanic with a shit car, you know. And I use that term a lot because uh, you know, I'm I quite easily fall into bad habits and fall into those bad head spaces. Uh, but, you know, I'm lucky in that I do have the, the tools around me. And, you know, so it's good to see, uh, you know, I, I, 
if I see someone with a, a sticker on the back of their car or, or they've got a T-shirt or something on around the area, I get a little bit chuffed, you know, um, or I hear from someone that this or that helped them or, you know, I get a lot of emails or phone calls back, hey, you know, I did the course and a couple of days later or a week later, whatever, I had a chat to my mate and it really helped him. That's, you know, it's magic, you know. Mm. You can't put a price on that. And I'm sure you guys see the same sort of thing when yeah. you see – you know, people that come in here actually start to, to kick goals, you know? Yeah. And, and that and that's that's better than any money that they give you. Oh, uh, yeah. And um, it's, I think, to, to be honest, the, the thing we get the, the biggest kick out of is watching people's personality change, that, that same feeling of empowerment, um, the, the, that introvert to, to a little bit of extrovert, like these changes and these social changes in individuals – People that never had a smile on their face, you know, having a smile on their face, individuals that might not have been interacting and now making friends like this, this stuff we get, um, we get a massive, massive buzz from and it's all very um, relative to what you're doing. So, yep. I can, well, we're, I can in the, we're in the same sort of job. Yeah. Mm, you mm. know, you guys are just looking after one part of the body and I'm trying to help people look after another, yeah. you know. And it's all mm. connected. That's it. Yeah. Yep. And, and. Now you guys are doing part of the job as well that, that I do. It's as we've talked about, people are coming in here not just to rip their shirts off for a selfie, it's to to feel better about themselves, yeah. you know? And it and it all comes into one. Mm, mm. Great. Mate, I think uh, you're uh, going from strength to strength and I wouldn't be surprised if you did become famous. You're on telly one day. Haven't got the head for it, I don't think. Oh, <laughs> pretty well Good standing up in front of our crowd. <laughs> no, yeah, I've oh. got a, a couple of better looking uh Girls that work for it with us that, are, <laughs> yeah. that can take that part than me. Um, yeah, it, it's it's worked out funny when we started all the the treadmill runs. The guy I was doing it with Azamore. He um, we worked perfectly together because he loved being in front of the camera and I preferred being behind it. Mm. Um, so I've fallen into the sort of spokesperson face of it role by accident. But I'll just keep the seat warm till someone comes along and <laughs> has a better job. You might humble. be stuck there, man. <laughs> God help us. <laughs> you said something uh, going non for profit. Um, you were wanting to take rise to the next level. What does that look like? Um, for me, it's allowing us to to put more back into communities. Mm. You know, the community work for me is, is that's that's my passion. You know. I understand the value of going out to the to companies and stuff because they're a community themselves and all of those people go home. But being able to put, you know, events on for for communities that come down to, you know, people to bring their kids along to and the kids have a good time and a bit of entertainment and stuff like that, that's what I really love. But it's hard because, you know, we've all got to pay bills and it's, you know, it's a lot of travel. Um, going not for profit uh, and then charity allows us to then get some government funding in, mm. uh, which, which takes a bit of that pressure off. It'll allow me to bring a few more people in to the fold, yep. uh, people that have got skill sets that I don't have. So we've, come, we've got Clint Hill uh, with us that you guys know. Uh, Clint looks after the fitness yep. side. Uh, we've got Sean Howell. He's an accountant that I'd love to be able to bring in because, you know, finances is something that weighs on us all. Absolutely. Things like that. We've, yeah, we've got Paul for that. Paul's our money man. Jungle Self-taught, bro. Yeah, <laughs> don't look at me. I'm terrible with it. You know, um, you know I've, I've had Scott Gooding, who's a chef, come in and help us out 
times before. Yep. Doing all, being able to get the funding allows us to actually branch out into all aspects of it. I see. You know, um, I'd love for one day have a have a hub, a HQ sort of thing, similar to this. I'd taking the safe space to the next level, sort of reinventing what the PCYC I think is meant to be. Yeah, a sure. place yeah. where kids can just drop in and have these services available Great. to them. It's so, really I've been watching them slowly disappear. Yep, which is. Oh, there's a huge part of my childhood and I know for a lot of kids that I grew up with mm, mm. Um, was the only space that was safe for them, you know, yep. and, and they had a lot of ro- good role models in, the, in those spaces and I just don't – I mean, I guess um, land is so um, expensive now in Sydney so it's easy for, for government just to say, all right, just build a block of units on there. Yeah. We'll take the money from it. But the, that, the, the, the role that, it, that places like this serve in society – um, really dictate how the future kind of plays out. Yeah. You know? And that land, especially in the eastern suburbs, it's at a premium. Yeah. Mm. I, if I'd love to find some rich benefactor if I could, if anyone's out there, um, oh. to help us fund it. Just to throw down some wads. So yeah, true. The PCYC is amazing. Yeah. Paddington's at the gone. Youth, the Bondo's youth centre. Yeah. Just a hangout yeah. at the youth centre under the pool. Skateboard comps and all that sort of That's thing. That's it. And a place where kids can go, and not just kids, you know, adults can go as a yep. safe place, a, you know, with a gym or something set up where they can actually, you know, have a counsellor there, have someone that can look after all these different factors that we've talked about mm. in a relaxed setting that, you know, I, th- I think what may push people away a bit from the PCYC is the police, I don't know. Mm. Um, I think there's a, a spot at Lexington that, that does it, but something that's accessible and, and has all the services there. But, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the peak, that's the goal, that's what we'll keep working towards. Um, there's there's going to be a lot of the, a lot of necessity for it coming into this recession. Yep. Uh, it's all and I, and it's been proven in the past that um, that things start to to get a bit ugly as as people start to lose their jobs and domestic violence goes up, um, breaking enters, and then you got alco- uh, you know alcohol consumption, drug consumption, all of these things start to uh, move in a in a direction that a little bit detrimental to society's health as, as a whole, you know. Yeah. And, and all of them take away funding from other projects that mm. we could put into mm. building communities. They take it away because we need to action them, Yeah, you know. So it's a double-edged sword there. We're, mm. You know, we're, we're losing on both sides. So that's what I think being proactive about it now is going to serve us so well in the future. Yeah, I agree. Um, can we uh, just chat for a bit about... Um the mental health response aspect of that, that course. And that's yep. kind of your entry course. And then you got the first aid course. Um, just some, 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 uh, some signs that people might be able to, to see in their friends or family and maybe just what they could potentially do um, as a first kind of responder or closest yeah. person to that. We, we talk about the signs we see in people, you know, the physical signs, whether someone's mm. put on a lot of weight or lost a lot of weight. You know, someone's... Change their appearance. Change their appearance. Someone may have, you know, normally nicely dressed, clothes ironed, hair done, cleanly shaven, whatever mm. it may be. These things may be slipping. The way someone talks, what they're talking about, you know. Someone may normally come into the office or come into the gym and they normally say hello to people. Now they're not. They're just keeping to themselves. Someone's not coming to work. Someone's not coming to the gym. Their performance has slipped. All of these physical things we can look for, I think the biggest thing is actually to start bringing it up to people. 
mm. you know actually just taking the time out of our day that that's that's the first step where we do it you know we talked a lot the other day about having where to have this chat so in the middle of the gym when there's 20 people around probably not the best place you know middle of the schoolyard when every other kid's around or on the bus or on the train probably not the best place while there's all these people around but you know, maybe saying to the person, hey, I've noticed this, I'm a little bit worried, do you want to have a coffee later on or mm. go for a walk later on? And letting the person know, if now's not the time, you know, here's my number, give me a call. Letting that person know that we care, that we're there for them, we've noticed it. Whether that person wants to have the chat now or not, you know, we can't force them to. But we can let them know that we're available when they are. You mm. know, and, or maybe you're not the right person, maybe they don't trust you. Maybe you've caused the problem. We don't know. We don't know until we ask. So if they don't want, our, don't want our help, we can ask why. You know, the last person they spoke to may have told them to suck it up. They've got nothing to be depressed about, all of that stuff. Maybe they've heard horror stories that they're going to get locked away and going to lose their job or whatever it may be, and we can let them know, well, that's not true. Maybe they don't know there is help for them. Well, we can let them know, no, that's not true. There's all these services available. You know, we've all got access to these services now. There's the crisis lines. We don't even have to talk to someone. Lifeline have a text service. Beyond Blue have a web chat. Uh, Lyson Health is a website and Cyber Clinic's an app. You can get counselling sessions from a psychologist via Skype. So you don't even have to leave your house. You know, you can do it from an iPad in your bedroom. Lyson? Lyson Health, L-Y-S-N Health is a website. L-Y-S-N. Yep. Uh, and Cyber Clinic is an app. Uh, you can, yeah, you get on there with a psychologist, book an appointment via Skype, uh, you know, Letting people know that you can go to your GP, get a mental health plan and get 10 free visits to a psychologist. Oh, just punctuate that one. That yep. was really cool in the workshop. Yeah. Every GP, everybody with their name on a Medicare card can go to a GP, ask for a mental health plan and get 10 free visits to a psychologist per year. There's a bit of help we can give someone just by letting them know that. Just by letting them know that those resources are there. You know, there's books, there's apps, uh, podcasts. Tell them to listen to this one. Mm. To learn some tips, you know, and learn that there's actually other people out there that go through this sort of stuff. You know, that they're not on their own, that they're not abnormal, that we all go through this stuff. We all deal with it different ways and that's okay. You know, everybody deals with things different ways and just because you think you've had a good life doesn't mean that you can't go through it. James Packer left the family business for depression. He's a billionaire, you know. What's he got to be depressed about? Mm. He's got an illness, you know. Greg Inglis was playing for the greatest football club in, us, in the world, <laughs> the Bunnies, you know? Yeah. But he had an illness. He had to take time out of the game. So what? You know, and letting people know that it's okay. It's okay that you're going through this stuff. A lot of people do. Most of us do. You know, and there is help out there. And you know what? I'm willing to help. I'm willing to sit here with you and listen and try and help you. And if I can't help you, well, we can find help for you. I think that goes a long way. Sure does. Man, I really love the, uh, the workshop. Last yeah. week. The response course is great. You know, mm. not everyone can do two days. Mental health first aid's two days. Not everyone's got two days. Um, especially for businesses and stuff. If you can give us two days, great. Because the two days allows us to pull everything apart. Mm. You know, and really talk about it and work it out and everybody chip in from their experience and stuff and watch some videos and do some activities and all that. Really cements it in. We understand that. Not everyone can do that. Not everyone can give us up a whole weekend with kids' sport and everything like that because they've got to work. So that's why we've got the response course. It's, you know, it's four hours. Uh, the woman who created it, Debbie, uh, Debbie Swibble is, 
she's amazing. Um, Debbie's the head trainer at Lifeline Sydney. So the work she does is, wow. you know, it's amazing. Um, and she's a great woman. She gets it. She's a bit like us. She isn't someone that spent all life in a classroom learning this stuff. She's actually been out there actually putting it into place. So she gets it, and that's why the course is set up the way, the way it is. We were lucky enough to help her actually shape it um, and get it to how it is now. We're very thankful for that. Yeah, I was, uh, I was actually uh, really impressed with how much information was delivered and it was all very digestible, like it wasn't an overload. Yeah. Uh, it was great. Yeah. It. And it was also an insight. It's just like, it just made me realise like the tip of the iceberg, you know, the subjects can get really deep. Yeah. Complex. And, you know, for all of us, it doesn't have to be no. too technical or deep, you know. It's, you know, as long as we, we, we actually understand the base of it, so that we've got that confidence when we're talking to someone. Actually, you know what? I know what I'm talking about here. And so that's why I think the four hours is good. I think a lot, all of us can really keep, you know, four hours. You know, with a bit of a break in between. And you guys would have seen it's pretty relaxed. Everyone mm. was on mats and rolling around on foam rollers and stuff and yeah. eating, having a drink as we go because what we talk about can get uncomfortable. So we want people to be as comfortable as possible, you know. Mm. It's one of the first times I've actually done it with shoes on. So there you go. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it was good being back face-to-face, I tell you. You know, we've been doing it on Zoom and stuff like that for the last couple of months, which is good. It gets it out there. But you can't beat person-to-person because you get to feel that emotion and share in the room. And and, and I love that sort of stuff because I said to you guys, I learn from that room as much as you guys do for me. Yeah, I – every time – there was a different topic brought up, whether it was anxiety or depression or suicide or uh, it was interesting how the room would respond and you could almost tell uh, how many people were, ha- had experienced um, these particular you know, topics firsthand um, and it was pretty much the whole room, at, at, at it. not necessarily at any one point, but at, at some point someone had have some form of experience in, in these areas, yep. mm. which was, um, it, it wasn't surprising, but it was, uh, it was pretty sobering. Yeah. And it, I think it, that showed the importance of yeah, it. And it helps cement it in that these are people you see all the time, yeah. you know? That's right. And, 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 and to see that we've about shared experience in it. Yeah. yeah. Never had those conversations. And I'm working with them every day. Yep. I'm seeing them on a regular basis. Totally. Very, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was great. Loved it. Loved it, man. Yeah. Loved doing it. Yeah. Um, well, we'll probably wrap it up there for today. Unreal. Um, I guess uh, oh, I'll just ask you maybe to let people know where they can find out more about the courses. Yep. And then and, and about Rise. And then maybe maybe just could you repeat like a couple of those resources, those main ones that you'd say is really go to for yep. someone who's having an issue or a first responder. Yep. Type thing. Yeah, so uh, our website is therisefoundation.net. We've got all the information on our courses and stuff there. Instagram is risefoundation.ost, A-U-S-T. Facebook is Rise Foundation Australia. Got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm still not on Twitter. I'm scared of Twitter. <laughs> um, but yeah, the resources, yeah, all our info is there and you can contact us through there to get more. The resources, that, you know, first step for me, always GP. Mm. No, go, go to the GP, ask for a mental health plan, get your referrals. If it's crisis, Lifeline, Beyond Blue, 
you know, Men's Helpline, all of them. Uh, the, the app is Cyber Clinic. The website's Lyson Health. They're amazing. You know, you can get on and, and see who, check out the person, all the professionals, pick which one you like, which one you think would suit you, and book an appointment, appointment via Skype so you don't even have to leave the house, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lifeline text line is open 6 p.m. till midnight. So if actually talking to someone is holding you back, just texting and Beyond Blue's got the web chat. There's, yeah. there's going to be a few uh, other gym owners and members of gyms that listen to our podcast. Yep. Uh, f- if you are listening, you got to get on to these guys because they yeah. are amazing. And for anyone that's uh, accredited with Fitness Australia, we've just had the course uh, accredited with Fitness Australia for that's CC excellent. points. So there you go. Um, PTs Finally and a everyone course with some meaning behind it. Yeah, mm. and I think <laughs> it's I think it's yeah. <laughs> I think it's five points. So. You do the course, you can get five points, and it and it goes towards your accreditation each year. And like you guys have said, this is this is stuff you're going to use every day, not just maybe here and there. Absolutely, man. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you, on. guys. It was awesome to have you. Love to have you again sometime. Whenever. Um, Always happy to come. Look, yeah, uh, we got the we got the safe space uh, accreditation. Would you say? Yeah. Or, or yep. we, we are registered. We are a safe space. Um, so proud of that, man. I reckon that's that's so awesome, and uh, I look forward to maintaining a relationship yep. with we'll you. Keep it going for sure, for yeah. sure. Thanks, um, guys. Thanks uh, to thanks all the listeners out there. Um, uh, you heard all the resources, the contact places for Rise Foundation um, for Jungle Brothers. Here, it's junglebrothers.com. Reach out to us if you need help with training or whatever else. Um, cool. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. So yeah, see ya. Thank you.